You're listening to Hive Hoops, a Charlotte Hornets podcast. Here's your host, Joshua Balta. Hive Hoops, I'm your host, Joshua Balta. Everyone continues asking the question, where would the 2023 draft prospects rank in previous drafts? If you were to throw all of these guys into a pot, the Cade Cunninghams, LaMelo Ball, uh, Chet Holmgren, Paolo Bancaro, all of these guys, where would these players rank? And this is a conversation we generally have from year to year you know, how did these guys stack up to last year? Because, you know, we can always remember the infamous 2020 draft where the Charlotte Hornets drafted LaMelo Ball. But everybody leading up to the draft was talking about how this was one of the, you know, more down drafts that they've seen in a long time. And then now we look hindsight 2020. You have LaMelo Ball, all-star. You have Anthony Edwards, all-star. You have Tyrese Halliburton, all-star. And so you have three all-stars already within their first three seasons in the NBA. LaMelo Ball, rookie of the year, um, fastest one of that group to receive an all-star bid back in 2022. And then Anthony Edwards, Tyrese Halliburton, of course, this past season in 2023, but you always you want to know where these guys would stack up with their previous peers that were taken just the year before, maybe two years prior, three, so on and so forth. And so what I've done, this is what we're going to do on this episode, because I think this is something that everybody's asking for. So I'm going to give it to you. I'm a, I'm a man of the people. I'm going to give the people what they want. So here's where we are. If you look back, going all the way back to the 2020 draft, where the Charlotte Hornets obviously selected LaMelo Ball, I'm going to go back to the 2020 draft, 2021, 2022, and then now this current one of 2023. And I'm going to rank a top 12 of the three players. Because if you go back, let me preface it with this. If you go back to 2020, Each draft since then has essentially had a big three, okay? You had LaMelo Ball, James Wiseman, Anthony Edwards in 2020. In uh, 2021, you had – that that one was a little bit more shaky. You had Cade, you had Jalen Green, and then people went back and forth on, you know, who should be the other one. Is is it Mobley? Some people had Jalen Suggs there. Uh, but for the most part, it was Mobley, Cade, Jalen Green, um, to my recollection. And that's what I had. Those, those were my top three then. Um, they'd still be my top three. Well, Jalen, uh, I, I, I don't want to ruin any of the rankings. But anyways, you get what I'm saying. 2020 had a big three, 2021 had a big three, and then in 2022, Jabari Smith, Paolo Bancaro, Chet Holmgren, that was the big three. And then, of course, this season, this draft, 
You have Wimby, Scoot, Miller. And so I thought it was pretty clean cut. I was just looking back through some things, and I'm like, you know what? There's there's pretty much been a big three every year this decade. Since the calendar flipped to, tw- to the 2020s, there's been a big three, essentially, in each draft. And so I'm going to rank those. I'm going to give you my my rankings, 1 through 12, all right? And what I'm going to try to do in this exercise is give you my pre-draft thoughts on all of these players and if they were all in the same draft where I would rank them okay and I mean we do this every year we've never done this on high hoops before but these conversations we've had this conversation on Hornets lead uh you know in you know friend conversations and sports conversations when you're going you know back and forth with people you you do these things. So we're going to do this here. Um, 2019 was really the last one where I can remember there was just a a big two. Uh, you know, you had Zion, you had Ja. And so I may even delve into 2019 a little bit and kind of throw in Zion where I had Zion or where I would have him with these players, maybe Ja even as well. But I'm going to try to do my best to not use hindsight and where the players are now. And I think who I have at 12 will show you that. All right? I'm not proud of it. I'm not proud of who I had at 12. Okay? Um, it's not LaMelo. Don't freak out. It's not LaMelo. <laughs> I was actually really high on LaMelo. Okay? And so, but who I have at 12 has panned out pretty well in the NBA thus far. And so hopefully that will show you that I am doing my due diligence, that I'm trying my damnedest to give you a clean view of where I would have these prospects ranked prior to being or ever playing a single game in the NBA. Okay? So without further ado, here is how I would rank my last four drafts with the top three prospects from each one at number 12. I have Anthony Edwards. I was, he was still in my top three. Okay. He was still in my top three in the 2020 draft. I would have selected him third. He was third on my big board back in 2020. Uh, but I was not very, I, I wasn't high on him. I just wasn't, um, he in, in college, he, was playing against other collegiate players. He had not shown um, just that he could lead a team. Uh, Georgia was terrible. And, you know, a lot of times I think when you are being selected number one overall, I mean, surely you had a good collegiate career or a, a pro career overseas, right? And so that's – I lean heavily on that. Just going back to Luca, I know we're not going to – we're not going to go back and back and back. I'm going to try to keep this 2020 and forward. But Luca was number one on my board because he was dominating in another pro league 
overseas. Now, it doesn't matter what you think of that pro league. It doesn't matter if you believe that, you know, these pro leagues around the world, if college basketball offers a better landscape or better competition. I don't believe that because at the end of the day, you're dealing with grown men, grown men's strength, even if they're not as skilled or maybe they're not as young and they're not being able to grow in to their game. These grown men have already done that. And so a lot of times I'm taking professional basketball players in Europe, in Europe over college basketball players as far as who is the better basketball player in that moment. Now, I know a lot of these prospects, they have all of the tools, they have all of the athleticism. But that's why I was so high on Luca, And this was one of the reasons why I wasn't very high on Anthony Edwards is because Georgia wasn't any good. Uh, he struggled at times. I watched him a few times, and I'm like, this is supposed to be the number one overall pick? Like, I, I'm not sold. Uh, his comments about how if he – could play any sport. He'd rather play football that, you know, basketball is not even really number one on his list. Some people made a big deal out of it. Some people didn't. That personally, that kind of bothered me. And maybe you're one of the people that you're like, man, that's dumb. That should have never bothered you. It it kind of did. It it told me in in that in that moment, of course, now looking back on it, it's dumb. But in that moment, it said, Yeah, I don't know how dedicated this guy's going to be. He didn't look so Anthony Edwards, the defensive growth that he has now made, um, you know, in the league and becoming, you know, really a a pretty decent defender, especially on the wing. Um, I didn't see that in Georgia. I saw him just kind of going through the motions and not really showing that he was dedicated to basketball, that he was going to, you know, change a franchise. And it looks like I'm wrong. Anthony Edwards has looked great. He's been in the playoffs twice now. Uh, arguably, you know, Minnesota's best player. I would still put Cat above him. I know Cat disappears sometimes. But Anthony Edwards looking pretty good. But hopefully, by me putting him 12th on this ranking, I can prove to you that I'm trying to give my you know, my my pre-draft thoughts because he would obviously not be 12th now. He would be, you know, he'd be top three on this list. And so Anthony Edwards, I would have ranked 12th. So may, also to caveat that, maybe maybe you don't have any uh, faith in my, in, in my list now. Uh, <laughs> maybe that's bad. So I'm going to flip it. I'm going to go to number one now. And I'm going to come back to 11, and then we'll go through. I do have Wimby number one. If I had to rank all of these players, you know, one through 12 of the last four drafts, the top three players taken in each draft, I would I would have Wimby one. Anthony Edwards, 12. At number 11, Brandon Miller. I'm just not sold on Brandon Miller. I'd Like, I think he's going to be good because he can shoot. He can create. He's shown some prowess to attack the rim and be able to do, uh, you know, put pressure on the rim at the collegiate level. He's not crazy athletic, and I know people are like, "What are you talking about? He's six nine. He can shoot it. He can get, to, you know, he can get into the paint. He can create off the bounce, you know, different things." I just, I have a lot of questions about 
Brandon Miller, guys. I just do. I don't see him changing a franchise. I just don't. And with him, a lot of people keep wanting to put that Paul George moniker on him, that that's his comp. I don't see it. And maybe, you know, pre-draft process, you go back to Paul George. He was what? Selected like 13th, 14th. A lot of people never saw Paul George developing into what he ended up becoming either and what he still is today when healthy. I just don't see it with Brandon Miller. I I have questions about multiple other avenues of his game. I just – his shots, it, it makes me nervous. A lot of people say, yeah, but he's got a quick release. I don't think it's as quick as a lot of people are saying. I don't think it's slow. I don't think it takes him forever to get it all out of his hands. But I don't think he just has a super quick release personally. Sometimes I feel him. He's just – and maybe I've seen too many videos with him in rhythm and different things where he's in workouts and he's shooting. When I watch him in games, he's got a lot of space. You know, at the collegiate level, that's that's what's different, right? You get more space and uh, certain things can kind of go by the wayside. His release point is low. He's 6'9", so he's tall. I mean, if you're talking, you know, he's going to be guarded by other small forwards. That kind of that kind of makes me nervous because his one the one elite trait that Brandon Miller has is his shooting. But then if his shooting at the NBA level is affected by his low release point, then all of a sudden his elite skill is no longer elite. And that's my worry. He does a lot of different things well, but his one elite trait, and I'm going to come back to this because I'm going to say elite trait over and over again because that's why I ended up drafting or ranking certain guys higher than others is because they had one elite trait that you knew from day one would translate to the NBA. Brandon Miller, I think his elite trait would be shooting, or it is. I mean, that I'm not breaking any, you know, barriers there. That's what everybody's talking about. But that low release point has me worried and how that would be affected when that when you don't have as much room any longer in the NBA. Guys are crowding you, they're getting over screens, you know. And there's no space in between you and the defender. And then he has that low release point. I don't love that. And so all of a sudden, if his elite trait is no longer elite, you have a guy who does a few things well, but nothing great, not franchise changing. And that's where I fall on Brandon Miller. That's where I'm at with him. Number 10, Chet Holmgren. I tried to keep injury out of it and because anybody can become injured, right? Wimby could become injured, uh, and then all of a sudden we're looking back on this five years and we're like, come on, we saw it. We saw the writing on the wall. He's 7'5", he's thin. Uh, all of a sudden he starts playing against NBA bodies. Yeah, he's he's injury prone. So what's the difference between having Wimby so high and Chet so low? 
I tried to stay away from injuries, but with Chet, I just couldn't. That was the biggest thing I always came back to with Chet. And the difference between him and Wimby is we've seen what Wimby is doing to combat injury. I mean, he's going, he's doing all of these these ankle, you know, workouts and stretches and, you know, learning how to jump and then land on his feet with his personal trainers. We've heard about his regimen. We've listened to uh, Jonathan Gavoni talk about meeting with his camp and all of the things that they're doing in order to keep him healthy. That moves me. And I, and honestly, I, I think when you pay that much attention, you give that much thought and care to that aspect and that it's not just go out there and hoop can't take care of your body we can't work on some of these sports science things in order to keep you healthy I think that matters and with Chet I've like from day one always worried with injury when it comes to Chet and I just I tried to keep injury out of it but when it comes to Chet I just couldn't and so that's why I would not have drafted Chet now if he would have fallen to three I probably would have still, right? Because these guys are all top three players in their draft, right? And so I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, I would have just, I would have let them fall to the teens. Like, no, that's not what I'm saying. But if I had all of these guys in a draft and I'm looking at them and I'm going back to what my pre-draft thoughts were, I have Chet 10th. Number nine, Paolo Bancaro. out. I wasn't high on him um, coming into the draft. Now, once again, I still probably take all of these guys top three in their own draft. Okay. Uh, but Bancaro, maybe it's the Carolina in me, and I just didn't I, I didn't want to elevate that dookie to that to that realm. He had a better rookie year than I thought. Uh he was still abysmal shooting the ball. Uh, but then he did a lot of other things well. I mean, he created for others better, uh, rebounding, getting to the rim. Um, he had a better rookie year than I than I anticipated. But I would have had Bancaro ninth. Number eight, Jabari Smith. So just from looking at this, you can see last year's draft I wasn't as high on. The 2022 NBA draft, personally, I thought, that that was the worst draft of the last four years, pre-draft, okay? And my rankings are are, are seeing that out. I, I had Jabari Smith number one on my board last year. I would have taken him just because I think he has that elite trait. He doesn't have the health scare that, that Chet had or has. Um, but with Jabari Smith, I felt like he had the elite trait. Bancaro had the body, which I did like. He had the elite body. But then when it comes to Jabari Smith, that defense and his length, being able to move, being able to uh, switch on multiple uh, you know, players and defend multiple positions, I liked that. I thought that that would translate. And then if he could just, you know, shoot and then, you know, use his height, that's why I had Jabari Smith number one. I thought he was going to go number one. We all did, apparently. But I would have had Jabari Smith if all of these players were in the same draft. I'm I'm taking him eighth. Number seven, 
Some of you guys are like, man, where's James Wiseman? He still hasn't shown up. What is this guy? I'm not taking anything he says seriously. Number seven, Jalen Green. <laughs> You're like, okay, here comes Wiseman. No. Jalen Green is fascinating to me because uber athletic. A lot of people would say, you know, we still haven't heard Scoot's name. If you're high on Scoot, why weren't you high on uh, Jalen Green? Different things. I don't know. I just wasn't. I I always thought he was selfish. Like when I watched him play, I thought he was just he was a two guard that became selfish at times and only looked to you know, really create for himself. And that's great and all, but that sounds a lot like Jordan Clarkson to me. And I'm not saying that Jalen Green's Jordan Clarkson. Like, don't don't get me wrong. Please don't. Jalen Green is a better NBA player today than Jalen Clarkson. Or than Jalen Clarkson. Than Jordan Clarkson. But that's what – that's the – the player I always saw, I saw more athletic Jordan Clarkson who could score the ball but never really created for anybody else. At times looked selfish, just looking to, you know, get theirs. And that's why I was never extremely high on Jalen Green. And that's why I actually, if I had all these players in the same draft, I'm taking him seventh redraft, okay, looking back on it now. I'd have him lower, <laughs> okay? I'd have him lower. I think that that's exactly what's happened with Jalen Green. I know a lot of people are still high on him. He's young. He dropped 40 last year. Uh, I watched some of his games. I saw him play. I just – I still see a selfish basketball player when I watch him, and maybe that that's, that's what I get personally. I don't like what's going on in Houston currently. They got Udoka. Maybe he's going to be able to change some things. There's rumors saying that, you know, James Harden might be coming back to Houston. That could change some, some you know, trajectory for the Rockets as well. I don't love what's going on in Houston with that roster, with that team. They have a lot of talent. They've got to figure out how to piece it all together and get the egos right, though. And, um, yeah, I had Jalen Green, seven. Number six, James Wiseman. This is my big miss. If I missed on Anthony Edwards, I definitely missed on James Wiseman. I had James Wiseman number two in the 2020 uh, draft. I liked his size. I liked his athleticism. He was young, and I thought that he was going to be Bama Adebayo. That's who I thought. When I watched him play, I was like, okay, this guy's going to be the next Bam. And we've seen Bam now in two NBA finals. Bam has a tendency to disappear sometimes like big men can. That's why it's not a big position. That may be why Mitch Kupchak, you know, didn't pull the trigger on bringing Rashawn Holmes to Charlotte or Miles Turner or DeAndre Ayton when there were rumors swirling there. Those never really caught on or anything. I don't think they ever had any, you know, reality or truth to them. But when these rumors were swirling, maybe that's why Mitch never pulled the trigger on that because centers can get played off the floor. Centers can be, you know, attacked. And, you know, their weaknesses 
become the other team's strength and, you know, different matchups and, you know, things of that nature. But I was high on Wiseman. I thought he was going to be a lock in the NBA. Uh, like, oh, man, we we got to see him go against Mark Williams. He got the better of Mark Williams last year, and I'm extremely high on Mark Williams. I think Mark Williams is going to be one of the best centers in the league here very soon, actually. Uh, so James Wiseman, maybe maybe a rebirth in Detroit is what he needs. And maybe he'll end up being what I thought that he could be. But I was very high on James Wiseman, and that's not looking too good for me. Now we're into the top five. We're into the top five. So remaining, you already know that I have uh, Wimby, number one. And so that leaves, you know, the Cade Cunningham, LaMelo Ball, Scoot Henderson, and Evan Mobley. Those are going to be the players that fall two to five. And I feel really good about this list, okay? Because even if I missed on Anthony uh, Edwards and ha- and would have drafted him last, and even though I would have missed on James Wiseman by drafting him sixth out of these 12 players, I feel really good about my top five. Now, I have two 2023 draft prospects in my top five. That speaks to what I think about those two. Number five, Evan Mobley. I would have had Evan Mobley fifth on my big board had all of these guys been in the same draft. Elite defensively. Immediately. Immediately. Immediate impact. Elite from day one. I mean, here we are. Uh, He's in what? Year three? He was in year three? No, year two. This was his second season in the NBA. And, I mean, we're looking at top three defensive player, uh, defensive player of the year rankings. I mean, just that translates. Day one, uh, he can he can step out. He's good from the free throw line. Uh, obviously, the concerns with him was he needs to bulk up, but he didn't. He didn't give me the injury concerns that Chet did, which is another reason why I was so high on Evan Mobley. Just him coming in, him being able to handle the ball the way he can. Uh, I thought that that was elite for a big man. And just his defensive, and a lot of people are like, "Yeah, but Chet, Chet was elite defensively too." Injury concerns, yet again. Okay, I didn't have those with Evan Mobley, and so Evan Mobley fifth on my board. If all of these guys were taken in the same year, number four, you guys might know him. All right, the Prince of Charlotte, Lamelo Ball. I was high on Lamelo Ball because elite passing elite you knew day one when he stepped on the floor that he was going to be a top 10 passer in the NBA that translates immediately his defense gave concerns because you saw a lot of clips where he would snowbird back in high school um and then never locked in you know when he was playing internationally 
whether that be in Lithuania or Australia. Okay. Uh, the shot never concerned me, actually. I know a lot of people were concerned about the shot, the decision-making on taking some shots. That did concern me with LaMelo Ball. Okay. It still does to a degree, but at this point, he's shooting 38% from three for his career. You live with it. Okay. Steph Curry takes some really bad sh uh, shots, too. Clay Thompson takes some really bad shots, too. Like it happens. Your elite player, Trey Young, takes some really bad shots, too. But your Luka Doncic, I can keep going, right? These guys take really bad shots, but they take those really bad shots because they can make them. And that's the same thing with LaMelo Ball. Uber confident. I loved the confidence that he had in his game. He's just all about basketball. I never had those worries. So between LaMelo and Anthony Edwards, where I had some concerns with Anthony Edwards, look at like LaMelo had traveled all over the world playing basketball. Like he was willing to go wherever he needed to go in order to go play basketball at a high level. And when you heard him talk, it was all about ball. Okay. And that coupled with his elite passing, I was super high on LaMelo. I would have drafted him number one in the 2020 uh, NBA draft. I still would today. The injury in the hindsight, you know, the injuries from this past season, some of those were just wonky. I, 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 I he wasn't fully healthy and he was still playing, which caused other injuries, which is an indictment on the some people who let him play. But at the same time, in, the, in a world where we have players, you know, sitting out back-to-backs and all of this load management stuff, for a player to say, hey, I'm 80, 85%, I want to I, I hoop, I want to play, I like that as well. Okay. Now, in the season that we had, I don't think it was the smartest. I think that maybe we should have, uh, you know, been more careful with LaMelo and his injuries. But at the same time, I, I mean, kind of like a guy saying, you know what, I'm 80, 85%. I'm going to give it a go anyways. I don't have to be 100% to go out there on the floor. And so uh, hopefully those injuries don't become – a concern moving forward, but just going back without hindsight, pre-draft LaMelo ball, I would have had him number four on my big board. Number three, Cade Cunningham. I was high on Cade because once again, that size, he has LaMelo ball size, but he has a bigger frame, more NBA body. Okay. Another player that's unselfish. I have a lot of unselfish players at the top of this list between LaMelo, Cade, Okay, um, who I'm going to have next on my list here in just a second. But Cade Cunningham, I would have had him number three. His passing ability, his mid-range shot, being able to create for others, big body, big guard. I loved it. I loved Cade. Uh, I'm still high on Cade. I think LaMelo's better. I think LaMelo's proven that he's been better uh, thus far. So, you know, in with with the hindsight, I would definitely have LaMelo above Cade, but just from an official like pre-draft where my thoughts were on Cade prior to the 2021 draft, where my thoughts were on LaMelo pre-2020 uh, pre 
2020, I would have had Cade above LaMelo. Number two, both of my top two players in my rankings come from this 2023 NBA draft, and that's why the Charlotte Hornets cannot skip out on Scoot Henderson. Scoot Henderson's number two. As I stated earlier, Wimby is number one, but I want to talk more about Scoot. Scoot would be the number one player. So this is what everybody's been asking, right? This is the 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 second question off of well, where would all these players rank? Uh, you know, in accordance to the pre-drafts, to drafts, you know, that took place previously. Scoot would be number one in every other draft dating back to 2020. I would take Scoot number one above everyone else. You would have to go back to 2019 before I would take a player before him. That would have been Zion. Just with that, with what we saw from Zion, you know, in high school and in college, when he plays, he dominates. Even still today, when Zion is healthy and he plays, he dominates games. He is a force to be reckoned with. And so going back to 2019, I would have taken um, Zion before Scoot, but that's the first time. That's the first time going back that I would have taken a player above Scoot in any of these drafts, which g- brings me to this point. And I saw, I saw a tweet last night. I think it was David Walker uh, stated this. This is the closest the Charlotte Hornets will ever be to actually having the number one overall pick. So take the guy that would be the number one overall pick in any other draft. And I'm with him. You got it. It's scoot. It's scoot all day. Take scoot. Uh, Another thing, and this is a point that I really want to point out. All of these teams that keep talking about trading up to two or to three. So a lot of people keep saying that they're going to trade, you know, would the Charlotte Hornets trade out of number two? The answer is no. The Charlotte Hornets will select at number two. I am I'm I'm nearly a hundred percent confident in that. I, I I'm gonna go ninety-eight percent confident the Charlotte Hornets are selecting it too. Okay. Unless just an unreal package comes out that you cannot pass up on and you like somebody at four, you like somebody at five, you like somebody in that range, and you can get them there and get additional assets. Okay, I could see a world where that happens. But when it comes to Scoot Henderson, all of these people who are projecting a possible trade with Portland out of three, they're trading to get Scoot. They're trading to get Scoot, whether it be Utah, whether it be uh, Houston, whether it be Minnesota, who are some other teams that I've seen trade up to three? Um, those are three of the main ones that I've seen. Utah, Minnesota, Houston. They're trading up to get scooped. That's what they're doing. They're trading up to get scooped. Nobody, it's not one of those things where people are saying, oh, yeah, we want to trade up to get Brandon Miller. Now, will somebody trade up to three with Portland? Should Charlotte select Scoot Henderson at number two. Will somebody still trade with Portland to move up to three? They might. I'm not saying that they won't. Okay? I'm not saying that somebody won't do it. But all of these mock trades, all of the you, you, you know proposed trades 
that people are making on podcasts and on Twitter and on social media everywhere, it has teams trading up to take scoot. They're putting and preparing these packages to get scoot. Anybody who's trading with the Charlotte Hornets to move up to two in those proposed packages as well, they're trading up to take scoot. It's Houston trading up to get scoot. It's Utah trading up to get scoot. Everybody wants scoot. It seems like the Charlotte Hornets are the only team that anybody has selecting Brandon Miller over Scoot Henderson. And that bothers me. Not from a media standpoint. Media People can say what they want. They can believe what they want. That's fine. The part that bothers me is the fact that the consensus seems to be that Scoot Henderson is the guy at number two. But yet, when it comes to the Charlotte Hornets, and only the Charlotte Hornets, maybe that's not the case. That's the part that freaks me out. That's the part that has me worried. Because I'm not saying that all these people, you know, you have Jeremy Wu, you have Jonathan Gavoni, you have uh, KOC saying, well, you know, right now it's it sounds like Charlotte's leaning Brandon Miller at two. And there's not another team out there, if they were at number two, that would be selecting Brandon Miller. There's nobody. Nobody's saying that they're going to trade up to two and select Brandon Miller. Nobody's saying that they're trading up to three to select Brandon Miller. All of these proposals, these teams want to move up and get scooped. The, the the intel, the, the sources, what they're hearing, everybody wants to move up and get scooped. Not Brandon Miller. But when it comes to the Charlotte Hornets, all of a sudden we're, we're the outlier. We're the one team that's truly debating on whether it should be Brandon Miller or Scoot Henderson at two when, every, when, when, when these other teams who could be in play, not all teams are in play for the number two overall pick, right? Not all teams are in play for it. But for the ones that are, the ones that could piece together some packages and move up, they're on the scoot train. But for some reason, the Charlotte Hornets may be the only ones that aren't. I hope we're proven. I, I, I hope that the KOCs of the world, the Jonathan Gavonis, you know, Jeremy Wu, I hope they're all proven wrong. I, you know, it's long understood that Charlotte really doesn't have sources, that they don't really leak anything. It's pretty, you know, it's pretty bottled up in Charlotte. And I hope that remains the case. I mean, last year you had on draft day, Jabari Smith going number one and dude fell to three. Okay. Completely flipped on his head. So these guys are wrong sometimes. It happens. But the part that I... I don't love every other team would trade up and take scoot. But for some reason, we might be the only team that, that might not do that. And when he looks at my rankings, scoot would be the number two pick behind Wimby. If you take the top three selections from the past four drafts, you can't skip, you can't skip out on scoot. It's scoot. You can't skip out on Scoot. Mitch Kupchak, select the guy that would be number one in all of the previous three drafts. 
this truly might be the closest we get to the number one overall pick. Take the guy that would be the number one overall pick in multiple other drafts. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hive Hoops. Be sure to follow, subscribe, rate, leave the comments. Let us know what you think about the pod. All of that helps us and, you know, other people being able to find it, the algorithms, all of the things. You guys are that listens are great. You guys are listening. I see it. I see the fruit from that. You guys are doing a phenomenal job in that area. Be sure to do all the things. Riding with you guys. Uh, we'll be having another episode probably drop this week. Stay tuned. Probably Friday we'll have another episode. Going to have Matt Powers uh, from Swish Theory on. Going to talk more draft. Going to talk about what he thinks about all this. Going to get his top 12 rankings as well. All right. I want to give you mine first. Okay. But I'm. we're going to get his hopefully on Friday. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Adios. Thanks for listening to Hive Hoops, presented by The League. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, be sure to leave a review and let us know what you thought of the episode. Thanks again from Hive Hoops.